Well, today I have the great pleasure to be on the phone, heart to heart, with Andrew Harvey. Andrew Harvey is an internationally acclaimed poet, novelist, translator, mystical scholar, and spiritual teacher. He was born in South India in 1952, moved to England at the age of nine, and later attended Oxford University, where in 1973 he became a fellow of All Souls College. In 77, he returned to India for the first time since he was little and underwent several mystical experiences. Andrew Harvey is the author of more than 25 books, including Son of Man, The Direct Path, Hidden Journey, I Skip Some, The Return of the Mother, A Journey to Ladakh, and his recent work, Sun at Midnight, A Memoir of the Dark Night. Right at this moment, I am holding in my hands Andrew Harvey's latest book, called The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. I have to say to our dear listeners that I have been reading this book since Monday, and um, it has a profound effect on me. In actual fact, I was able to write to somebody who I am having a deep emotional problem with, and... Um, sincerely ask for their forgiveness and actually they wrote me back so I want to thank you Andrew and uh, ask you to begin by speaking to us about hope beyond hope I think we all know that the world is in terrible shape and that humanity has come to a moment in Talhat Chardin's words where it will have to choose between suicide and adoration, between the unleashed forces of its shadow which are now wreaking terrible havoc on every level of our world, and the secret divine consciousness that is the divine's gift to every human being. I believe three interlinked things. Mm -hmm. I believe that there is a great death happening at this moment, and that this death can be seen on every level of our world. It is an environmental death. It is a death that, through the accumulation of weapons of mass destruction, it is a death through the addiction to power of the corporate mindset. It is a death that is absolutely evident in the endless triviality of the media. It's endless fostering of denial and spiritual and moral corruption. And it is a death that you can see in the increasingly hectic and crazy pace of our lives. And all of those deaths together form, I think, a deadly cocktail, a lethal cocktail that is now threatening to explode in violence and meaninglessness all over the world and to take us to the brink of extinction in which we could easily commit suicide and take with us the whole of nature. I think it is very important to see this death clearly, to take the full force of its heartbreak into one's heart and to stop denying it, hard though it is to face. 
I also believe, in fact, I feel that at this moment I know yes. that this death is not the only thing that is happening on this earth at the moment. In fact, it is the condition, the birth canal, if you like, mm-hmm. or a great birth that is also simultaneously exploding all over the world. And you can see this birth in the great mystical renaissance that is happening. You can see this birth in the millions and millions of people who are in their different ways rising up to meet this crisis with great energy. And you can see this birth in the availability to humanity at this moment of all kinds of technology that make it possible, if only we have the spiritual and political will to get over our addiction to oil and to start restructuring the world so that we can live more simply and in harmony with nature. But on a deeper level, what is happening, I think, is that the human race is going through the dark night of the species. And all of us who know from our own experience that the inner dark night prepares a birth of divine consciousness, know too that this global dark night that we are living through is the condition for an unimaginable birth of a new divine humanity. And this is the source, of course, of the deepest hope. This birth will not take place easily. It will take place through immense suffering. The birth of a new divine humanity will not take place in the renovated world. It will take place in a very devastated world now because we've done nothing really to transform ourselves enough to be able to co-create with the divine yet a new world. And it is a birth that we all have to give our entire selves to. The third thing I believe is that a new vision that is actually a reworking of an ancient vision Mm -hmm. is now falling upon the world in torrential grace to give us exactly what we need, both the inspiration and the tools to affect this birth. And this force I call sacred activism. Mm -hmm. What sacred activism is to me is the fusion of the two noblest fires in the human soul, the fire of the mystic's passion for God with the fire of the activist's passion for justice. And it has been my own experience over many years of taking this path that when you fuse together those two fires, what is born in you, in your illumined mind and in your shattered open sacred heart and in the very cells of your body is a third fire, which is the fire of love and wisdom in action. And I believe that the real and deep and secret and most important meaning of our crisis is that it is an evolutionary crisis designed to compel millions of us to birth this third fire of sacred activism and to start acting from sacred consciousness on every level in communion with the divine, in surrender to the divine, in adoration of the divine, to co-create with the divine and world. And when you really see this possibility and know this possibility, it gives one a rugged and adamantine hope that will not be shaken whatever happens. Andrew, um, what do you say to the people who are in deepest, deepest despair? Like perhaps the one person who might listen to us who is in Haiti or in Chile or just the friend next to us 
or myself who are in the dark night of despair? What do you say? First of all, I would honor your despair. I would say your despair is an accurate and profound and holy reaction to the truth of what is happening. Second, I would say that despair has a divine meaning. And what despair can do is to dissolve all the false illusions that we have about the security of life and about our own agendas. And that I would really beg you, in prayer and in surrender, to use your despair as a dissolving solution of those illusions and agendas. Thirdly, I would say that if your despair is deep, then use it as a way of placing all of your helplessness and fragility and need and longing directly before the beloved. And in time you will feel that you will be filled up with the presence of the beloved in a way that you have never felt before because despair has hollowed out from you all the false human agenda that will allow you at last to feel the presence in its most pure and naked form and be empowered by it in a way that you can never imagine yourself capable of. Can there be hope when one is hollowed out? That is when hope begins, because one of the things I think that our crisis is showing us mm-hmm. is that all the old forms of hope are bankrupt now. The political solutions, the economic solutions, the belief in experts to do it for us, the belief in governments to do it for us, the belief in corporations to do it for us. All the various fantasies of progress that have really spawned this crisis from the Enlightenment have revealed themselves as absolute fantasies. And these agendas and fantasies have to go for the hope beyond hope to be born in us. This is an experience the mystic knows, and that is why mystical knowledge is such a crucial key to the transformation of the planet. Have the courage to let your despair be a light in which you can see the bankruptcy of all of your illusions about life, and then offer your grief, offer your heartbreak to the beloved, and the beloved will transmute that grief and that heartbreak into astonishing vision the vision of the real eternal consciousness within you, the glory of the light shining in the creation, and the beloved will give you also the inner passion and the inner peace to start finding your true mission in the world and acting from detached tenderness to help all sentient I would like to go to the Divine Feminine and you talking about the marriage of opposites and um, surrender to the mother? Well, I think the deepest vision that we have been given of the cosmos by the most authentic mystical traditions is that the cosmos is a sacred marriage of immanence and transcendence. That it is a manifestation out of the mystery of the one of the opposites in an interrelated dance of opposites that creates and sustains and nourishes and manifests everything. I think, too, that one of the greatest signs of hope in our time 
is the return in full splendor and power and outrage and majesty and passion for reality of the sacred feminine. I think this is the clue to the transformation of humanity. And it is the great achievement, I think, of the mystic renaissance that we are living in. Mm. And it is one that celebrates the divine feminine that has been so degraded and so denied and so desecrated and so devastated for thousands of years now, but is now returning in full power to give us the vision of the sacredness of creation, of the sacredness of all sentient life, of the sacredness of relationship, of the sacredness of all of us and mm. all beings, mm. so that we can act from that sacred divine tender communion with reality that the divine feminine makes possible. Mm-hmm. This to me is also the reason why the birth of a divine humanity is now possible, because the mother that is the emanation of the source, the fiery love emanation of the source that incarnates herself as every star, every supernova, every single fern, every rock, every dancing dolphin, every human being, this fiery, glorious love force that is burning in everything as its essential nature, as its essential consciousness, is the force of evolution, the force that if we can connect with it, and we must in deep adoration and in deep love, can infuse us, can illumine our minds, open our hearts, and infuse our body with sacred energy, and give us the vision, the passion, the peace and the strength to cooperate with the Father Mother in birthing a new world. Mm. Beautiful. Andrew, tell us about how the Christ consciousness, Christ awareness, and the divine feminine intertwine like two strands of DNA. Overwhelming presence of bliss and bliss fire and bliss 
I was then taken out into the Indian noon. There I saw a young man who had no arms and no legs in a puddle. He was desolate beyond belief, lonely beyond belief, destroyed beyond belief. And I went to pick him out of the puddle and put money in his shirt pocket and see that he would have some real help and care. And as I gazed into his eyes, I saw the eyes of the Christ. Now I was seeing the Christ in the shattered poor, in the burning forest, in the naked desolation that is breaking out everywhere in the world. And at that moment I heard a voice, and it was the voice I know of the living one, of the Christ consciousness, and it was a very fierce voice. And it said to me, you have been a narcissist, you have used your spiritual experiences for your own aggrandizement, for your own ego. Don't you know that they've been given to you, these graces? so that you can transform yourself into being a humble servant of the will of the divine to transform this burning and terrible situation into the birth canal of the birth. And that was the most overwhelming experience for me because in it I lived through three different stages, I think, of the Christ consciousness. First, the union with the love fire of reality, the love fire that is creating everything. Secondly, facing of the suffering of the world without any mask. And thirdly, a wake-up of the fiercest kind to the responsibility that anyone who comes into consciousness of the divine love has to put that divine love into wise, focused, tireless action to try and save the planet and save humanity and transform humanity. Well, that experience has been at the foundation of my vision of sacred activism, and it is, I believe, an experience which was given to me by the mother herself, because Jesus in history and the Christ consciousness in eternity is the child of the Divine Mother and the Divine Father. Mm-hmm. The deepest secret of the Christ consciousness is it is that it is utterly permeated by the will to compassion and the will to transformation of the Divine Feminine. Andrew Harvey, let me ask you a very practical question um, about activism. Um, A lot of people who are um, working hard to uh, be midwives to this birth are feeling really exhausted. So would you tell me how one can mix being effective uh, I know that for me, when I'm tired, it's hard for me to be kind. So that's the that's what I'm asking you. How do we mix being effective and being exhausted? Well, I think that there are two problems which are interlinked. And I think that we're in a time when a great many of the mystics and so-called spiritual people are really addicted to transcendence and therefore utterly ineffectual in the real world and have turned away from this crisis into a private pursuit of enlightenment which I think in this time is both obscene and corrupt because it fundamentally leaves the world to its desolation. I think too that the majority of activists, noble though they are, and profoundly moved by righteous indignation though they are, and profoundly inspired by a vision of justice though they are, are still trapped dualistic consciousness and filled with rage, 
unhelpful kind and addicted to a divided consciousness which keeps them separate from the one thing that could truly give them the strength and the persistence and the passion and the peace and the energy to go forward, which is their own innate mystical consciousness, their own divine consciousness. Mm -hmm. So the only answer to being able to go on going on in a time as devastating as this yeah. is for everyone to fuse mystic consciousness with action. Activists everywhere come to me and say they are exhausted and I understand, but what I say to them mm -hmm. is, if you are exhausted, then bathe yourself in the waters of grace and take up a serious spiritual practice that can root and ground your whole being in divine love, divine joy, and divine energy. And I say to them that there are four different kinds of practice that all those who are trying to be midwives of the birth now need. Mm -hmm. They need, I believe, cool practices that can calm you down and unite you with the great peace, the shanti of the divine, mm -hmm. the holiness of divine being, the inner detachment of divine being from all realities, that can enable you to stay calm, to stay focused, to stay steady, and to refresh yourself from the fundamental waters of transcendence whenever you need. Mm -hmm. You also need heart practices, heart practices that can enable you with great passion to keep your heart alive in hell, to keep your heart juicy, to keep your heart continually able to source itself from the love fire of the mother so that it can keep pouring out compassion to the world, even in the direst circumstances. You also need a prayer practice, and this is a very important aspect of the practice because there will be times that if you're doing serious work in the world, your mind will be so shattered, your heart will be so broken, your body will be so exhausted that you won't be able to do the cool and the hot practices with any degree of certainty or any degree of concentration. Mm -hmm. But in that bewilderment and in that suffering, you can always pray. And it's my own experience that speaking. I have been through a long and deep and very difficult dark night, which continues in some ways. And what I have learned is that even if you can't practice the cool and the hot practices, what you can always do mm. is to say the name of God in the heart, to pray in short, vibrant phrases to the beloved, and that when you pray with this kind of intensity, this kind of concentration, this kind of passion, this kind of repetition, if you like, what happens is that you really do source yourself from the life energy, the eternal life energy of the beloved, and you find the courage and power and strength and the peace and the energy to go on. The fourth kind of practice is that I think is really essential for all activists and mystics who want to be sacred activists now mm -hmm. to take up is sacred body practices because one thing that is happening which everybody I think recognizes is that our shadow is devastating our physical environment which means that we are in a horribly polluted environment we're often eating poisoned food our rivers are polluted all the things that should be nourishing us are in fact destroying us. Our bodies themselves are under attack from the attack that our shadow has launched upon embodied reality. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that is to really plunge into divine physical activities such as yoga and sacred dance. Mm -hmm. 
I am publishing a book in May called Heart Yoga, The Sacred Marriage of Yoga and Mysticism. Because for five years in secret, I've been working with a great yoga teacher, Karuna Erickson, mm-hmm. to fuse together all the glory of traditional yoga with the glory of the most powerful mystical light practices so that yoga can go to the next stage of its evolution and become consciously the crucible of the evolution of the divine body. And I'm also working with Gabrielle Roth, infusing her amazing five rhythms with mm. the five stages to divine love as outlined in the glorious poetry of Rumi, so that sacred dance can now also go to the next level where it can become the conscious crucible of the divine body. If you fuse these four kinds of practice together in your daily life in a very down-home, humble, persistent way, you will find that you won't be threatened by despair, you won't be menaced and destroyed by exhaustion. Mm. The despair will come, but you won't be utterly undone by it, and the exhaustion will come, but you will find skillful means to be able to transmute it into deeper compassion and to find yourself filled up with divine love and energy. There is no other way but through sacred practice now to infuse ourselves with the kind of strength and persistence we need. But everybody who has the courage to really take seriously the necessity of doing sacred practice in this integral way will discover that over time they will be filled with a love they never imagined, filled with the compassion they never dared imagine that they could be the instrument of, filled with a joy that they had never imagined, and even more importantly perhaps than all those three, filled with the persistent gentle current of energy that can keep them going on, going on, whatever the chaos and madness and menace destruction of the outer world. How exciting. Andrew, um, it's it's very exciting, exciting. and it's very exciting and inspiring the way you describe it. Well, I'm not describing something that I don't know. That's right. I have had to really forge this integral practice for myself in the core of my own sacred activism, Mm -hmm. because I've discovered for myself in the pain and distress and despair and disillusion and heartbreak and exhaustion that I have been through and continued to levels to go through, that it is only by opening myself up to this kind of fulfilled marriage of the opposites in practice that I can hope to birth the divine in me and hope to find the kind of energy that I need to go on. So it isn't something that I've read about, it isn't something that I'm speculating on, it's something that I use at the most down-home and practical level to keep my own heart high, my own mind illumined, and my own body supple to divine energy and divine compassion. Yes, yes, yes. Andrew, I will keep you just a little longer to ask you about networks of grace, um, hopefully a global curriculum. I believe that one of the supreme gifts of the Divine Feminine to us is the knowledge of interconnection on every levels of reality. And what this means practically is that sacred activists cannot do this great transformation alone and must not. What we 
organize ourselves, organize ourselves in living, vibrant wholes that can then work as cells of the divine human in reality. About two years ago, I was teaching in a convent in Ohio, and I was really praying to Christ to give me a vision of how this revolution of love in action could be organized. And I saw the words written in letters of flame against guy, Networks of Grace. Mm. I had been meditating for a while on how Al-Qaeda and certain fundamentalist groups achieve their horrible success. Mm. And I had realized that it is through the creation of spells that meet together, pray together, infuse each other with black courage and go forward in reality. And so what this Networks of Grace immediately infused me with was a certainty that what is now necessary is for all people of goodwill, all those who want to be midwives of the birth, to come together in cells of between six and twelve people mm-hmm. and start working in local communities with global consciousness to really, really pool their resources, pool their creativity and start working together to address the causes that really really deeply awesome. If you want to find out what cause you are destined to be an advocate of, get up at three o'clock in the morning and ask yourself one question, having grounded yourself in divine peace. Mm-hmm. What of all the causes that are burning and raging in the world is the one that breaks my heart the most? Dare to ask that question again and again to yourself, and you will find, as I have found, that there is one cause that really burns most deeply in your heart. I have found that the cause that burns most deeply in my heart is the cause of animal rights, because what we are doing to animals on this planet, what we are doing by torturing them in abattoirs and by using them in ridiculous scientific experiments, by burning down their habitats, is an abomination and an obscenity and a horror that is sending towards us a tsunami of dark karma, which could obliterate us if we don't transform ourselves. And when you have absolutely clearly identified that cause, the cause that breaks your heart the most, then find others in your local community who are burning with heartbreak for that cause. Join with them, pray with them, celebrate with them, and pool your Rolodexes and start doing something locally about that cause. I have set up a, a wonderful uh, website called networksofgrace.org, and there are now 40 or 50 networks of grace all over the world and I'm hoping that this will spread like wildfire because I'm convinced that if people come together in these cells work in this way then the revolution of the birth can take place last year I worked with 40 people to co-create a global curriculum for sacred activism which had four initiations firstly an initiation into the sacred marriage wisdom of the great traditions that can give birth to the divine human Secondly, an initiation into the fire of the sacred heart that can fuel this great transformation. Thirdly, an initiation into the illumined intellect that can look clearly at both the death and the birth that is taking place at this time, at both the horror and the solutions to the horror that are arising through divine grace in our tormented time. And fourthly, an initiation into the sacred body, into the heart yoga that I've described, and into the yoga of sacred dance. Mm-hmm. This moment, this curriculum is now being brought into both video shape that will be disseminated through the internet and also into a 120 
50-page curriculum that will also be disseminated by the end of the year everywhere. Now what I want to do, and this is what I'm planning for this year, is to create a template of initiation for all sacred actors. Uh-huh. And this template is going to be a five-day initiation which takes place in Oak Park between July the 18th and 24th on my website if you want to look at it. And it is an initiation that mirrors the rhythms of the ancient mysteries which were themselves initiations into becoming a living instrument in and reality. And the ancient mysteries fundamentally had three rhythms. They had the rhythm of an initiation into the glory of mystical reality, mm-hmm. then an initiation into personal and collective shadow, which was very tough and very difficult and very rigorous, but very wonderful in what it opens up, compassion. And thirdly, an initiation into the fusing together of the glory of mystical reality with what is known and uncovered about the shadow into a marriage of opposites that can and must be the birth of the divine. So I'm really inviting everybody who's listening and who's excited by this vision to come and help me co-create this template because if we can have not only the book out there, Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism with its practical instructions, but also the curriculum with its really even more practical and precise understandings and tools and practices and the template of an initiation that can actually help give sacred activists both the wisdom that they need, the understanding of the shadow they need, and the practices they need, then the world can have some very powerful tools to go forward. So I'm hoping that I will also be able to work with some amazing people, and I really invite everyone who's listening and really is infused and excited by this vision to come. Good. So that we can together go through what you call the humbling and amazing transformation that we are destined for. Yes. Yes. It is both humbling and amazing. It's very, very humbling because I think we have to realize that what we need to do is to die to the ego and all of its agendas. That's a very brutal death. But it's amazing because that death opens on to a level of divine love and harm and illumination which is simply not possible without it. Well, Andrew, I wish with you into this explosion of grace. Thank you so much for your generosity, Andrew Harvey. My great, great pleasure, and thank you for your wonderful, wonderful work, Joanna. Good. Future Primitive is made possible by the Marion Institute. If you enjoy these podcasts please consider supporting our work by making your own tax-deductible contribution online at futureprimitive.org.